It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. And you can stand as we read it together. Y'all, we know this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 7 through 14. Let's read it together. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And none of the rules of this age understood it. But if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's say this again. Let's go back, if you would, Michael, to that if you can. However, it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit with him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. As you look at the Scripture... And I just want to say right off the bat, as I've studied this over the years, I always felt like, yeah, we know. We can't conceive what God has laid up in heaven for us, right? Don't you know it's going to be good, obviously? We lay up treasures in heaven, obviously, and not here on this earth. But we know that he has things for us, blessings for us, when we get to heaven. We know that. So we can't conceive that. No eye has seen, no ear have heard what God has obviously prepared for those who uh, who love him. But I want to tell you, this verse is for today. Now, the fulfillment of this is certainly when we go to heaven. And the fullness of that will be experienced when we go to heaven. But I want to hopefully encourage your prayer life today by some things that are real simple that may help you to pray more than what maybe you are praying. It's helped me anyway. When we encounter a problem in our lives, our response is to pray. And we ask God to do something to solve the problem. And from our perspective, the problem is the beginning of the process towards a miracle. But God is way ahead of that. He saw the problem coming long before you were ever born. He knows that the end from the, he knows the end from the beginning. In reality, super, the supernatural process begins with God's foreknowledge and provision. Okay. Let's go back. God knows your problem. He knew it from eternity past, right? In fact, you were on God's heart. You and I, as a Christian, were on God's heart from eternity past. He didn't all of a sudden come up and say, I'm going to give salvation to Jim Barcliffe, okay? It was already, it was there. And I had to make a choice, obviously. But it's on God's heart. God knew it was from eternity past. God knew everything that I would face in my life And he knows everything that you're going to face in your life. Have faced, you are facing, and you will face. It does not catch God by surprise. Why? Because he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He knows everything. So it doesn't surprise him when you have adversity come towards you in your life. He doesn't all of a sudden catch him off guard, and you've got to scramble to start praying. He already knows about it. And Peter Chapter 1, verse 3, tells us that his divine power has given, or it's past tense, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And God did something for each and every one of us here 2,000 year ago, years ago at the cross that's beyond human comprehension. He opened a joint checking account with your name on it 
and to deposit it into that account all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You already have it. He's deposited it in your account. We have already been made heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, Romans chapter 8. And obviously, it will help your faith to know this. By his stripes, we were healed. The one thing theologically that I know and over my lifetime looked at, and I'm not always correct on things, but there's certain basic things I stake everything on it. That is the fact. When you look at Isaiah chapter 53, by his stripes, you've been healed. And Second Peter, where it speaks of by his stripes, you've been healed. Is everything included in the atonement? Is everything, as far as your healing is concerned, certainly within the atonement? And the atonement is what Jesus did when he gave his life and, and gave his life for you and me for uh, our forgiveness of our sins and so forth. Everything's in there. Let me say this. Everything is included in the atonement. Your physical healing, your spiritual healing, and your emotional healing. We're body, soul, and spirit, right? Body. Now, we were talking about in Sunday school this morning some things and asking again, do we see everybody healed in that? Well, if you're a Christian, yeah, you're going to be healed because you're going to have the ultimate healing. Does everybody get healed on this side in the way that we, we see it and so forth? No, we don't always see that in the way we see it. But does that mean that we stop praying? No, it doesn't. Because again, when God lays up promises, Everything is included in the atonement. Everything. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. And you can read that chapter, Isaiah 53, and you can see, and you can, you can actually point out the, the physical part, the emotional part, and, and also the, the physical and the spiritual part. We're healed. We know we're healed spiritually. Everybody in here would go, yeah, that's right, because I'm going to heaven. I'm spiritually healed. But we sometimes think, well, does that include in the atonement that Jesus die for obviously that I would be, obviously that healing would be in his death, uh, uh, burial and resurrection? Yes, it is. It's all there. Do we understand it? No. Is sin sometimes involved and sometimes it obviously uh, stifles some of those things? Yes. Is it faith involved? Yes. Do we always know that? No, we don't know. And we don't claim to know because sometimes in the past the church has said, you know, your faith is not strong enough for you to be healed and so forth. We don't know that because it could be somebody else's faith over here that is strong enough to get you healed and so forth. And so there's no condemnation. But sometimes the church is acting in that manner when things haven't turned out the way they thought. Do we do that? But does that stop us from praying for people and asking God to heal them? No. Because it's there. We won't see everything answered in the way that we think it should be answered. And there are more dynamics here than what you can really explain in this short time together. But it doesn't mean that we stop praying. When you don't see someone healed right away, do you stop praying at that point? No. The Bible says to ask and it shall be given, to seek and you shall find, and to knock and it'll be opened. And then after that, in the imperative, actually it is in the Greek, a continual, which means continual. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. God heard you the first time. Something happens in our relationship with God when we keep on keeping on, right? We believe Him because it actually builds your faith, should. But sometimes we throw the towel in and we'll look at a, a story here in just a little bit before, obviously, we really see God do what we believe he would do. In 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says, if you have Christ, you have life. So in other words, when you and I accepted Jesus Christ, our eternal life started at that point. Now, I'm sure that you could go back theologically and look at it and say, well, God knew you would be saved and so forth and all, but we know that at that point, certainly here, you have, so you have eternal life. If you have no Jesus, you've accepted Christ, then obviously you have life. But what's the Bible say? Those who don't have Christ, they don't have life. They're not saved and, and they need to be saved here. And again, this is a mistake I made years ago. I read this verse. I just thought, well, yeah, it's good stuff that God has laid up in heaven for me. No, it's good stuff that God has laid up for you and me here on this side, right? I can't imagine what God said. Now, 
you say, but does that mean that I'll have a big house and a big car and I'll have all the, and not necessarily, but it does mean what I desire and I believe your desire is the spiritual blessings of God that are the richest blessings that you could ever imagine. I mean, come on. A rich relationship with Jesus Christ far outweighs any of these other things. I know God takes care of us, praise. He'll supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But we know those riches go far beyond just those material things that we see in our eyes. Because I have not seen nor ear heard what God has already laid up in heaven. He's not surprised by your particular situation. <clears throat> He's not surprised. Now, that puts a different twist on different things. Because we would never say that, and you would all agree, that's true, I know that, because He's God, right? But the way we respond to situations in our lives is, is as if we sort of like, we've got to kick God in motion, get Him in action here, and so forth. No, He's already working on our behalf. Years ago, I read and studied a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And y'all, a lot of you here may have already have read, have studied it. I know y'all studied here at Lighthouse Fellowship. And the one thing about Blackaby that he said that I've never forgotten, and he said this, when you go out and you're serving the Lord, always ask the Lord what he's doing in a particular situation or what he's doing in a particular life, and then ask him if you can join him. He's already working, okay? It's a matter of us partnering with God. It's not us. It's him. And somehow he allows us as his, as his children to be a part of what he's doing. He's working it out. And God wants you and I to be a part of that. We know, obviously, uh, whatever it is you need at this point of life, can you begin by acknowledging God has you covered already, right? What is it? Why do we pray? Well, we know uh, in Matthew chapter 6, what's called the Lord's Prayer. I believe John 17 is the Lord's Prayer too, obviously. But Matthew chapter 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought about that? We've talked about it over the last few weeks. And we always, when I say that, I'm going, Lord, but I know your will is being done perfectly in heaven. And you're asking me to bring your will down to earth because I see what's going around in this world today. And it's some really bad stuff. And all of you see it also. Well, God tells us this is a model prayer. Now, it is just a model. And you can pray around that and use that sort of as a, as a format to pray, certainly. But he's saying he wants to bring his kingdom earth as it is in heaven. And so there's some, obviously God is not saying something to say, okay, I'm going to trick you. I want you to pray that. And that can never happen. Do you ever pray in the morning, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. In these circumstances that I'm going to face today, whatever it may be, you may know what you're going to face. A lot of things we don't know, but let your kingdom come and your will be done in these circumstances today on earth as it is in heaven. You can pray that. Let it come to be. Let your will, let your kingdom come. The will of God here. So, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him here. But it says in verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolish to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned here. In other words, the flesh cannot discern what God wants and what God is doing, right? The flesh. People who are not saved, they don't have any idea what God's doing. They don't really care what God's doing either. But the carnal Christian, the Christian that is not walking with the Lord is the same way. They don't. How does the carnal Christian and the unbeliever see things? They go by their five senses. What they see, what they hear, what they speak and so forth, the five senses. They go by what they see real simply, don't they? That's the way that the world sees it. Well, it looks bad. How do you and I go by it? They're spiritually discerned. We go by it the way God sees these things. Do we look at people who are lost and say there is no hope for them? No. God says, look at them the way I see them. I always look at them. There is obviously always hope. 
And I want that person saved. And so when we look at a person that looks like they're totally destitute and they're so far away from God that there'd be no way that they'd come back, that's the way the world looks at it and that's the way our carnality looks at it and we're not looking at them by faith and believing that God can do anything in that person's life and God can do anything, by the way, here at Lighthouse Fellowship. Hallelujah. Amen? How are we to see it? you got to have that. You've got to have that vision. You've got to see spiritually through those things. Because if not, you get discouraged, you get depressed, you get down in the dumps, you see. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to know the Word of God. And that's why, obviously, we know that God can do anything. And that's when the miracles take place. And you pray because God is bringing things down. How many of you know that everything that originates, obviously, according to God's will, originates in heaven? Right? Okay. So what is prayer? Prayer is actually what's already on the heart of God, what he wants to bring to pass on this earth. What we do, we pray it down from heaven and we bring it into our present situations. Those things that's already on the heart of God hasn't surprised him, hasn't thrown him off kilter because we somehow think he's surprised. We pray. We pray. It's on the heart of God, folks. It's already there. We are praying those things. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, it talks about it. We pray. We know that um, uh, we ask anything according to His will. Then we know He hears us. And then it goes on to say, and if we know that He hears us, then we have what we ask for. Right? In the will of Father. So that's why relationship is so important. That's why when we spend time with the Lord, when we come together, we're listening to the Lord. We talked about hearing the voice of God. We've talked about that over the years as something that we obviously need to be in touch with. This new year, let's start. Let's start by doing that here. It says here uh, in verse 9, uh, makes a contrast. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. In those next few verses, Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit knows everything about the Father and the plan for us. So we can know these things through revelation from the Holy Spirit to our human spirit. So this process here actually has two things. One is to recognize that God has already provided the answer before the problem ever occurred in your life here, certainly, and then receive the revelation from God of what his solution is. That's why prayer is so important. It's obviously there. It's a problem. And then listening to God. Have you ever started out with your grocery list of things you put before the Lord? Anybody? I do that. Lord, I want you bam, bam, bam. Here, pray for this one. Pray for that one. And, and go through my list and I'm up, I'm gone, I'm good, I've done my duty, and so forth. Have you ever said, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to pray for? You know the heart of God is there, and God will reveal Himself if you just ask Him. You have not in James chapter 4 because you ask not. And so He wants to show us what we pray for. But we've already got what we want. Nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But He wants us to listen what does he want us to pray for? He may bring something to your mind, my mind, that we never thought of. You know, we never thought of. We said, wow, somebody, people have come in my mind here in this past week that I ain't thought about praying for. And I started praying for them because I believe that God wanted to do something in their life and God was trying to get my attention here. It's encouraging. Okay, now, about healing. If the atonement has it all covered, and I believe that to be true, I believe theologically, it's very sound in all the that I've found over the years. Certainly, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And it's finished and so forth. That means that obviously, then we know that healing's already there in our bodies. Okay, You've seen people that have been healed because obviously they were eating right. They were taking vitamins. They were obviously living right. They were living like that. And like the body is a wonderful, wonderful, I don't call it a machine, but a wonderful thing that God created. And a lot of times the, the, the body will heal itself. Now, I believe it all comes from the Father, okay? But I believe it can do that. So how do you pray? As you look at Jesus going around and he healed so many people, I never see where he said, I ask for healing, Father. Maybe you can find it if you do bring it to me. 
but I ask you to heal such and such. Okay, nothing wrong with this. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but why not pray, Lord, release your healing in this individual. Release your healing. Okay. Release the healings there. If it's all in the atonement, it's a package deal. Jesus has done it. Then why not add, Lord, release your healing in this individual? When Cindy had Gillian Bray, I was praying around, walking around her bed, and she was paralyzed and had been intubated. And I was walking around her bed praying, kind of just walking around the circle there. And God spoke to me. I'll never forget. I knew where I was standing by the bed at a particular spot when he spoke, because you never forget it. And God said, command healing. Command healing. I went, command healing. Okay. And I began commanding healing over her. And that's the way I prayed the rest of the time. And I pray that now. Jesus spoke to the illness, didn't he? Remember all the times? He said, command healing. Okay. Now, obviously, it is the spirit of God within us. And we're listening to the Father. But he says, command. I never ask. And I pray for ask. Lord, heal this individual. And I ask that all the time. And there's nothing wrong with it. But think about what has been given to each one of us in that power and through prayer. And you want to live in that spirit, supernatural realm because that's where we are. We are not in the natural. We have been born again. It's the spirit of God. We have the very same power that raised Christ from the dead within us. The same spirit that raised him from the dead. Let's walk in it every day. Remember I planted a church on the west side of Houston back 1988. Remember, prayed about it. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if there's only one person that gets saved in this church, I said, this church would have been well worth it for what, what God wanted to do with it. If you remember, we were in a auditorium, uh, a cafeteria, cafetorium for a uh, elementary school for uh, five years. And uh, towards the end of that five years, a lady came in one Sunday and she came up to me and she said, Jim, there's a strip center down here on this particular road. And I knew where it was. And she said, it has a for sale sign on it. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and I said, I'm thinking, we can't, we don't have the money for that. We don't have any money for that. We don't have, we're a small church. We want to run, I don't know, what, 60 maybe. And all, we can't buy anything like that. We can't do that. And before long, we began to pray about it. And God began to change my heart. And he said, he said, you come and pray, pray about it. And go over there and tell the man that you want to see it. And so I went over there. I had the guy who the realtor was. And he opened the door. And I walked in, and I remember it, never forget it, and I know where I was again, where God spoke. And in my mind's eye, there was a flashing neon sign of this dollar figure, like this, and then it's gone. And I saw it. And I'm going, this property's worth a lot more than what's flashing in my mind's eye. But I knew it was God, because couldn't anything happen? I had not obviously eaten some bad pizza the night before, okay? And I knew God was speaking. Okay, now I said, what do I do with this? Okay, Lord, because it was probably this this building, which was 10,000 square feet, was probably worth over a quarter of a million dollars at that time, could have been sold for that. And I said, there's no way. But I said, this figure is way below that, way below it, nothing, minuscule. And I went on and I began to sort of talk to the Lord about it and all that. But I felt like the Lord told me, he said, why don't you get the people together? Because I wanted to teach people how to hear from God. And I got them up together and I said, y'all pray about it. One Sunday night, we were in a home. I said, pray about it. And then we'll come back together and see if God gives us a particular figure that we can offer to this person. That you're hearing from God. Okay. You're coming together. So we did. It came back. None of them came up with a figure. That I had. And I thought. Mm, what am I going to do with this? And we came up. But the figure. One of the figures. That they really felt like. God was speaking to them about. I went with. I didn't. Kind of like. Hold it over on them. As the dictator. So to speak. I wanted them. To take ownership. I wanted them to know this. And so forth. So we. I chose. And looked at a figure. That a lot of them. Were coming up with. And, and all. And that was much lower. A little higher than my number. But it was much lower. Than what the property was worth. So I called a guy. A little bit embarrassed by it. I said, you know. Uh, this is what we want to offer. For the property. And he kind of chuckled. And I went on. And he goes. Okay. He goes, you got two other people I think we're com com um, uh, competing with you on it and so forth. But he said, I'll offer it and we'll see what happens. Okay. 
couple of days later, he called me and he said, Jim, you won't believe this, but y'all got the property. And I went, mm-hmm. And so we went in and started fixing it up into Sunday school rooms and also a sanctuary. And the whole time I'm going, Lord, what am I going to do with that number that I saw because I know it was you? And I kept praying about it. And so one Sunday, the piano player came in and she was coming to a church and she said, Jim, I don't know what's going on here, but I can't get you off my mind. And the Lord has a number that he wants you to hear. And I, I've got to tell you this. And she spoke the exact amount to me. Nobody knew this. And I don't even think I may have told Cindy, but nobody in Cindy and I were the only ones that knew this particular figure that I'd seen flashing in my eyes. This lady comes in and says this. And I said, oh, my goodness, Lord, what am I going to do with this? Okay. And I believe over a period of time, because I sought counsel on it, too, because I thought, Lord, I don't want to be disobedient to you. But he gave us the building. Okay. But I know one thing. What I believe God told me, he said, Lord, Jim, I'm, I'm giving you the grace. Your desires were for the people to hear me and hear my voice, which is most important in a Christian life. And he said, I gave grace that you heard right. And you could have gotten the building for this amount. But I gave grace because I wanted others to know that I still speak today. Now, this is God, okay? That lady that came uh, was a lady that... Um, she came to church pretty regularly, but um, she she was... Um, I just kind of far out there, okay? She was... So when she told me that, what that she said, I think God wants to give us that building. I discounted her. I just kind of shrugged her off, you know, until God started getting my attention and said, no, you better pray about it. See, I'm saying this. God will use somebody that you least likely think will speak his words to you. He does that all the time because he wants you to know he loves people. See, we think we got one up on somebody. Hey, we're the pastor, or we're this leader, or we that letter leader, and all that. People can't. I mean, I hear from God, all right? I'm a man of God, and all this. And God said, No, I'll humble you, and I'm going to speak to who I want to speak to, okay? And I paid attention to it by His grace, and God gave us ability. God speaks those things. Because he wants that relationship with us. And to understand how he uses people in this uh, journey called life. Okay, This is not a name and claim it. Uh, we hear what was on God's heart and then we pray for it to manifest on earth. We're listening to the Lord. That's why prayer is so important. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes people's hearts. And most of all, it changes my heart and changes your heart. But in this new year, as we think about we're getting here at Lighthouse Fellowship corporately, we've talked about uh, putting a, a reminder by your coffee pot. And Kathy and I, we've talked about it, and y'all, we've all talked together about it. And Cindy was looking yesterday for it. She was scrolling. She goes, what about this? I said, that looks good. And they're kind of expensive. Some of it's kind of expensive. But they're, they're, some of them, I mean, look really good. And we could put Lighthouse Fellowship on there and it put it by the coffee pot. It'd be a, a reminder to pray. Pray for these, not just uh, certainly the church. And pray that God would do something. But pray for people that have been mentioned here on a Sunday morning. Or the repair requests that go out through text or whatever it may be. To be reminded. Because prayer is powerful. We have the most powerful force in all the universe to pray. We can pray for our leaders. We can pray for other people. And we need to do that individually. And we need to do that corporately also. It's very important that we pray. So why not? Let's just come back to the basics. Because prayer is releasing God's desires and intentions into the earth as it is in heaven. God wants people saved, right? We know that. Okay, Lord, just come and save this person. You want them saved. I'm going to pray for them until I see them saved. Till I see that they come to salvation. God wants people healed. Heal, heal people today that, that need healing. And obviously God desires that people come to know his love. We know that. And God wants you and me to walk a deeper walk with him in 2023 than we ever have before. That's his will. 
So begin to pray. And you know that's His will and His plan. Pray that it would come into, come into, uh, into practice here and, and experience that we would know His love. We would know Him in a deep way. God has wonderful promises throughout the Word of God that we need to just pray and ask God to bring those into the here and now today. All of His promises are yes and amen. But we need to pray. Because it moves the heart of God. Jesus got away all that time. He had already heard from the Father. And again, then he walked out. And his power, I believe, was because he was in prayer with the Father. He was a grunt among people who were praying. So if it's not happening, think about, are we praying? Are we believing God for? You know, there's a lot of debate about drilling for oil right now. Obviously, there's more untapped energy under the ground that we have uh, tapped into yet. We know that. We believe that. And as long as it lays untouched, uncovered, and undiscovered, it's only potential power. It's there. The oil is there. So the power is there in your life and my life. But obviously, I believe we've got a drilling problem. Right? We're not drilling. Right? I heard statistics that were staggering this past week, and I believe I do believe they are uh, accurate. In fact, I heard it yesterday that ninety percent of the people, or ninety percent, I believe that's a high number anyway, but that was what was used, uh, will say that they're Christians. If you remember when I was in hospice, most of the people have on their what's called our face sheet, where the information was that I used to find where they live and go to see them and have some information about them. And they said, Christian, I'd go in. They have no idea who Jesus is. They would most say they're Christian because most people will say, I'm, I'm Christian and so forth and all. And they say that in this, this particular uh, tally of what they're looking at, that 55% say they are born again Christians. 55%, okay. But here's the clincher. After obviously looking and polling that only 6% of born-again Christians have a biblical worldview. In other words, they don't believe this right here. They don't believe it's happened the way the Bible says, and they certainly don't believe it's going to happen exactly the way the Word says. Only 6%. Do you think that we haven't got challenges in this world? Do you think that you and I and this church called Lighthouse Fellowship and all of us can make any difference in this community and beyond without prayer, without seeking the Lord and asking Him to do something supernatural? Do you and I believe that obviously we're running along and we are obviously in the culture and maybe we're looking more like the culture than the culture looks like the culture and so forth? And what God says, come out and be separate because we're separate. We're consecrated to Him. Do you believe that that will happen just automatically? No, we have to engage and start drilling because the oil's there. Now do it. I study it. God says, why don't you just do it, Jim? Why don't you just pray and bring down that power from heaven into your situations, into your church and people's lives? Listen to Acts chapter 12. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And we saw that it pleased the Jews. He proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. And so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. All right. James had been killed. Peter was getting was next on Herod's list, okay? But listen to what happened here. So, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and, and woke him up. And he said, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison, 
But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed by the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, and where many people had gathered, and they were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to get quiet and describe how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. This is corporate prayer. Believe it? The church was praying. All right? We have a church here, and we can pray for miracles. We can pray for these things that we know only God can do. I mean, think about what happened in this situation. You think, but that's... <laughs> See, some people think Acts is just a transitional book. No, it's not. It actually is a model, I believe, for the way the church should be operating today. Right? But we got to do it. You got to read it. Maybe we'll study it here shortly. God's stirring my heart, maybe. But I want to tell you today, supernaturally, the chains fell off, fell off. The door opened, and he walked past the guards. You think, that's just, well, that was Peter. Well, <laughs> we have that, obviously, the same spirit living in us that Peter had. And we need to get at it and pray. And the church was praying. How long had they prayed? I don't know. I don't know. Did they pray for James or did they miss it because James was put to death? I don't know that. It doesn't say. But I know one thing. It says real clearly they were organized and they were praying for Peter's deliverance. Okay? Think about it. Think about it. If we pray, and this is corporate prayer, we need to somehow pray about how God wants to bring that about at Lighthouse Fellowship. Okay? I believe your personal prayers, obviously God commands that, certainly. But we know that obviously something happens when God's people get together and pray. We've seen miracles here. We're seeing miracles all over the place. We need to obviously continue. Pray and press into God. Don't draw back. Press in to what he's doing in the earth today. Get his heart on matters and begin to pray these things into being. And God, I believe, is going to do great and mighty things here. Obviously. They experienced the supernatural power. The Family Research Council noted that Christians who visit the United States from other lands, from other countries, are shocked to discover the prayerlessness that prevails in many of America's churches. They pray. You remember my friend Paul Lagono from uh, Kenya? He was here in the United States, probably has dual citizenship. He's African. I believe he's actually been here. But Paul, I haven't seen him in years, but I'll never forget Paul because I know Paul was a man of prayer. And you remember that the stories I've told because I heard what happened one time when he was praying, he was going back over to Kenya to do one of those big crusades out in the fields, okay? And they needed speakers and they needed obviously ways to carry all this equipment out into the area where there would be thousands of people that could hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul got in his prayer closet and he was a very humble man. He never bragged about, never boasted about this at all. You had to sort of hear, kind of catch what he was, he's doing and so forth off the cuff because he would not boast in it at all. He's very humble. And he prayed. I know he prayed and prayed and prayed. And God, a man came up to him and said, I've got a brand new Toyota Tundra truck I want to give to you. And he gave it to him. And he shipped it over the Kenya. And they put the speakers, they put the equipment, some of it on to the truck. And Paul was able to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Samson, our friend, with mission and action, he is Indian and he's been here and preached. And he is over, he's going back over to India even now because India had uh, was uh, obviously, they've changed as far as the government has changed in some ways and so forth. But yet they're still 
preaching the gospel. And at Christmas time, they're actually preaching about Jesus Christ. And many, many, many of those kids are hearing the gospel for the first time. Okay. And so Cindy saw on Facebook one time, she goes, Samson has got these large groups of crowds of people out in, in these large fields and he's preaching the gospel to them. And so Samson and I had lunch here a couple of weeks ago and I asked him about it. And I said, in this group of people that are thousands and thousands of people that are hearing the gospel, what is their predominant religion? And he said, Hindu. They're listening. And he said that the, the government will not allow us to give an invitation, but he said we can pray with them and we can share the gospel. And they share about Jesus Christ to these who have never heard the message. Okay, prayer, prayers are going up in this situ these situations here. One man says the core identity of the church now and eternity is to be a house of prayer. That's what Jesus said. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And it is corporate prayer. What I believe calls the power of God down that does something special. I don't understand it. I just believe it, and I have seen it. Some people say prayer is boring. Well, Isaiah 56, 7 says this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. We, Kathy talked about joy. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He says here, and, and bring to their holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. I believe this is something that we need to, to pray about it and bring it together and then take action on it as the Lord hears us. I believe, obviously, when prayer becomes the priority that we're going to see things happen in our church, in our nation, and throughout the world today. God is doing things today. Obviously, Peter got set free as a result of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Power. Amen. But of power here. All right. I'm going to close with this. This is a everyday. This has been a recent event. When the Buffalo Bills were playing. Uh, Kansas City or whoever. Okay. And a player. Named. Damar Hamlin. Actually coated on the field okay I came in Cindy and I had been out I came in flipped the TV on and the first thing I saw was the sportscasters room where they sit and they broadcast and they weren't saying anything and I looked and I thought my sound must be off because sportscasters can talk I mean the paint off of a wall right and it was quiet it was quiet, and I looked, and I went, what is going on? Something's happened. I hadn't heard anything, okay? The next picture they had was for all the Buffalo Bills and others were in a circle, down on their knees, praying, and praying and crying out to God. And I listened in that stadium where that it was full of people. It was like eerie silence that were there during that time. I said, I've never seen anything like this before in all my life. And they were all sitting around. They didn't know what to say. In fact, what happened was, and this is what I don't know everybody saw, one of the broadcasters, well known, said, I know this may be something against policy or whatever, but I'm going to pray if it's okay. And he bowed his head and everybody joined him and prayed. Okay. What was happening at that time? Well. It was a crisis. People were desperate. People knew this man was getting ready to go out in eternity. He already went into cardiac arrest and they put the paddles on him, brought him back and so forth. They didn't know if he was dead or alive, but they were praying. I believe this with all my heart, that many in that stadium and people were watching that game felt and that actually and realized that eternity was only one step away. It shocked them into that. The question, I guess, is, is actually, 
Do we desperate? Do we know what it means when someone leaves this world without Jesus Christ in their hearts? Do we know how many people, if that 6% of people that really believe the gospel, that's not many. But I want to say to you today, like Jesus did, because the disciples were discouraged also. They looked around and Jesus had been rejected here. The Messiah was there and they prayed for him. They, they didn't understand the fullness of that, certainly. But remember, Jesus said, the fields are white for harvest. He said, don't wait six months. Don't wait. Go. Because I'm commissioning you to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. He's telling us the same. But we've got to come to a place, I believe, and these two words I want you to keep in mind because God has convicted me of something here recently about that and also spoken to me about, and that is clarity and severity. Clarity. The gospel is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And the severity of it is time is drawing nigh. It could have been for uh, Mr. Hamlin also. And we see that. And I want to proclaim today what Mr. Hamlin experienced was a miracle from God himself. Amen. And we give him the glory. Okay. Because God healed him. Amen. Just like he heals the day. And there were more people praying then in that stadium. And I pray one day stadiums like that will be filled up with people who will be praising King Jesus and praying and crying out to the Lord. And we'll see a revival sweep across this nation like we've never seen before. And I believe that will happen. I believe prophetic words are coming forth that that will happen. Will it happen at the end? I believe certainly. I want something to happen now in this church. I want something to happen across the body of Christ. I want something so supernatural that people can't say, well, just is just a coincidence. Or maybe somehow this was adrenaline that kicked in and so forth. No, it was a power of God. Power of God. You got to pray. Our prayers make a difference. And like Isaiah there said, it's, now you start praying and your joy will be complete. Amen. That's what we're seeing. That's where we're called today. That's why when I talk about it a lot and certainly here at the beginning of the new year, as we begin to reach out for what God has for us individually, family wise, but also as a church and two churches coming together, actually one, they're all, we're all body of Christ. There's no, no distinction. Okay. No distinction. We have beautiful people that we have the privilege of being a part part of their lives, and and I love to to sit there and 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 listen to them. If you've heard some of their testimonies, <laughs> whoa, it'll blow you away. It will blow you away. George, Tom, Sid, myself at the men's prayer breakfast, we've heard them testify, and and Don back there, and and Michael. You've heard them testify of how God pulled them out and set their feet upon a rock. His name is Jesus. And I think, oh my goodness, because see, what we do is we kind of judge and say, well, I didn't, I hadn't done quite as bad as somebody else does and so forth. And we sort of like put us ourselves on different levels. And God says, we're all in the gutter without Jesus, right? <laughs> we're all in the lowest level without Jesus. With a depraved, Romans chapter 1, he says, I turned them over to a depraved mind because they would not. They continued to reject. They continue to celebrate the sin that they're in today. But you and I have an opportunity, but pray, don't ever discount and don't give up. I started out saying when God calls you to pray, if he tells you to stop praying, then stop praying. But to be honest with you, he hasn't told me stop praying. Has he told you? Uh, I know that uh, the word, I think it's Zechariah talks about it. He said, I, I'm not listening because they're, they're too far gone. I ain't heard that. Because why? His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. He's full of grace and mercy and he loves souls. Pray. Somebody you're praying for, maybe it's coming to mind right now. Maybe a family member, maybe a neighbor, whoever it is. I was talking to a young lady yesterday and uh, she's nine, I think, ten, maybe in there. And she said, Jim, I need prayer 
and uh, uh, my street needs prayer. And I said, what's going on? She said, well, we've had some real, we've had like several deaths on the street and then some other tragedies on our street. And I said, okay. I said, we'll pray for it. But you, God's calling you. He's shown you that. Begin to pray for your street. Okay. This young lady said, I'll pray. We'll pray for my street. Okay. All right. Good example. And it's her sister who is 15. She said, um, well, I, I, I saw one of her um, uh, teachers actually went in, I believe, cardiac arrest. And she said, uh, we were praying. I want you to please pray for him. Believe that uh, he's he's coming through. And then she saw someone, and I'm not sure if it was a classmate or actually a um, or someone, one of her, uh, a friend or teacher or whatever, had gone in cardiac arrest. A lot of stuff's going on here, right here, folks. And and he he was actually out for how many minutes, which actually. Medically, it they say once you go through that and the brain is inactive at that point, you basically are brain dead. But this particular young man came back and his brain is perfectly normal. Then she said, Jim, that is a miracle. Okay, somebody is praying. Damar Hamlin, people were praying and God heard it. That's a wonderful right now uh, present uh, event that we should encourage you and should encourage me. May God remind us of these things and may we pray. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence. Lord, we just come simply as your children and we lay it before you, Lord. And we ask you, release your power here on this earth, in this church. Release your power in our leadership team that's getting ready to meet. Release your power, Lord, throughout this land and our president and, and the, the House and the Senate and right on down into the state and local level. Release your power. Touch people's lives. Father, when we're touched by you, we're never the same. We pray that today. Give us, Lord, that desire. Help us to pray. Help us bring it to mind, Lord. Holy Spirit, put checks in our spirit. That we pray and cry out to you. Because in reality, whether we realize it or not, we're more desperate than what we realize. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today and what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.